Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, the first Monday episode of 2023. This is for all our listeners, Patreons and non-subscribers. So happy new year once again to everyone. I'm joined as always by Nima Tavali. It's uh, <laughs> been a thrilling first week back in, in Serie A after the, the World Cup break and the, the Scudetto race is is, uh, is really hotting up and um, we had some more thrilling and uh, dramatic games at the top um, over the weekend some some incredible comebacks some some crucial late goals in the in the race at the top um, so we, what we're going to do is we're going to review all the weekend action and uh, we're also going to do a, a special tribute to to the to the amazing Gianluca Vialli after his uh, his tragic passing on on Friday. So, yeah, lots to talk about today. Um, but we're going to start off with uh, the review of the weekend Serie A action. So let's get straight into it. Okay, right. So we're going to start off with Milan versus Roma Sunday evening game. Um, Unbelievable ending to the match. Milan throwing it away against Roma. 2-0 ahead, 2-0 up. Um, cruising, completely yeah. cruising. Like, there was nothing to suggest that Milan were going to... Like, it was 87 minutes. Milan had completely dominated. They didn't create maybe as many chances as their dominance, dominant spell suggested that they did. But there was nothing to suggest that Roma were going to get a two two-goal draw. We're going to draw, score twice in five, six minutes and, and get a draw. It was unbelievably... Uh, I mean, Pioli must be absolutely livid because he prepared this game as well as he could and he got them to execute it. And then due to dreadful individual defending, individual uh, defensive errors by uh, for in two set pieces and also to, to even concede that free kick was stupid... Um, it was. I, I can't believe it. I really. I'm really stunned. I. I cannot yeah. understand what happened there. Well, Roma had their first shot on goal in the in the 87th minute yeah. with Ibanez's header. Um, but I mean, it's absolutely gutting for for, for for Milan to concede those two late goals to drop to drop two points. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you have to. I mean, if we're asking the question, how did Milan throw this away? I mean, I think. The, the big takeaway from Milan's point of view is they need to sort out their defence because if they can concede two goals in a game in which Roma didn't create didn't create anything until until those closing few minutes, if they can concede two goals in a game like that, then that's saying a lot, isn't it? And we, we, we've got to look at Milan's recent defensive record. They've got one clean sheet now in, in the last eight games. And if you look at what was the backbone to, to I mean they usually they, they usually say defenses win you win you titles win you championships. That's historically that's what it's been. I would say it's that's less the case now than than it than it has been in the past because football's changed and it's become more offensive. But but still generally having a having a strong defense uh, and being solid defensively, you know, over the course of a thirty eight game season. Is absolutely paramount if you're going to go and win a win a win a win a league title. And we saw that when Milan during the run-in last season, mm. it was their defence that was. I mean, you just have a look, go back and have a look. I don't have the stats on me, but go back and have a look at how yeah. many goals Milan conceded in in uh, the last few months of the season last season. And they they you know they were absolutely impenetrable basically. Um, you know, and that this season, like I said, 
they're, they're, they're conceding, you know, they're conceding too many goals. They've only got four clean sheets this season yeah. in, in Serie A. Uh, and while they haven't conceded a huge amount of goals, they are consistently conceding goals. And this is, this is an issue that they need to solve if they are going to, to claw it back against, uh, against Napoli in this good race. And we saw again in this game, um, I mean, two goals conceded off, off set pieces. Um, you can't win titles if you're conceding goals off set pieces regularly like this. Um, and I have to single out, I have to single out Tomori because we mm-hmm. give him enough praise all yeah. the time. And I have said, I've said it on this pod before, you know, uh, I think I said it maybe during the Chelsea game, after the Chelsea game in the group, that Tomori has a weakness. He has a weakness. And I can see why Gareth Southgate, the reasoning behind Gareth Southgate not taking him to the World Cup is probably this, I would I would assume. And that is that aerially, he needs to improve his aerial game. I think he I actually think he's good in the air. I think he's 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 good in the air in the sense that he's got a good leap on him. He 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 wins challenges in the air. The problem he has aerially is often he gets caught out positionally, he gets caught under the ball or he loses his man when a cross comes in or when a or when there's a set piece or a corner. And we've seen we've seen this I've seen this a few quite quite a few too many times and we saw it again, you know, and it might be you might call it nitpicking on the corner, but again, you know, he, he got caught under the ball on the corner and then Ibanez came in and powered it in. Um, you know, and I've I've seen that a lot. And then again, the second goal, again, very, very poor defending, naive defending from the youngster ranks, giving away the free kick. And then, you know, again, free man Masic, wasn't it? This is the second header. And then Abraham free again on the rebound. So, um, yeah, you, you've got to defend better on set pieces. And in general, um, uh, Milan have to anyway. Yes, they they do need to defend better on set pieces. But the thing that gets me the most is the fact that it's it's such... They, they, Milan are a young side and they show their inexperience at times. For example, Roma didn't create anything from open play at all throughout this game. They get a goal from a, from a corner... And so you know, and you know that me that they are good at set pieces. So why Vranks in that situation is so ridiculously aggressive? And Tomori did it as well. He was also, you know, in the middle of the pitch. It's not a dangerous area of the pitch. You just you don't need to give away free kicks like that and get booked. Um, and Vranks gives away this stupid free kick, which Pellegrini mishits, but then all of a sudden, uh, you know, bounces off someone's the back of someone's head and it it just creates complete p- calamity in in, in the defense and, and they just they just throw away two points and these are again this is a game that Milan completely dominated um Milan looked so in control so in cruise control um that I, I you know I tweeted it out I I know our good friend Patrick Kendrick even said on commentary that that has to be the win when Milan scored their second goal like there was nothing to suggest that Roma were going to come back that's how in control Milan were and they just completely throw this out, throw this out the window, mm. throw these two points out the window. And it, it's again, Pioli has got to be absolutely fuming because you cannot throw away points like this. And again, I, I, I bring it down to yes, what you said about Tomori, I think is spot on. I think that's also like you know part of the reason why maybe Southgate is a little bit, you know, yeah, because iffy. I think that with England, England are. The way that England play mm. is that they they rely heavily on their ability to defend defend aerial balls crosses yeah. you know because yeah. they because they counter attack and because they defend yeah. a bit deeper yeah. you know they're going to concede balls into the box and yeah. crosses into the box and yeah. you know I don't agree with that style of Me play neither. you know especially with the talent that England have got but whatever this is how Southgate plays 
I can kind of, I, I mean, I'm assuming, we don't know if this is the reason, but I think that that is why I think Southgate that's doesn't one pick of the him. I think, he's noticed, I think he's noticed a weakness in Tamori from an aerial point of view. And he's thought, you know what, the way that I play, the way that England plays, you know, I don't trust him. And, and you can kind and of understand, you can understand why. why. You can understand yeah. why. And also if you look at how he plays with a back three with Harry Maguire as one of those, and, and all three of them are good in the air. So that, that that's completely consistent with that. But um, for me, it was it was more than that, more more than that as well. It's, it's the lack of experience that Milan showed in this game. And they are a young side and they have to learn. But it was, to me, this is, this is, it's almost unforgivable. You don't, you can't throw away points like this. Uh, yeah. If you if you're going to win the title and and yeah it is huge two points dropped you know Napoli yeah. now seven points clear of both Juve and Milan and they play Juve at the Maradona next week so yeah I mean we'll come on to Inter we'll come on to Inter after but I do think that there are similarities there will be both teams will be really really frustrated in the sense that Napoli dropped those three points during midweek and they couldn't uh, and and you know Milan like Inter you know I mean Milan would have been minus five with minus five on Napoli with Napoli possibly dropping points to Juventus they might yeah. win that game but they, yeah. they, there's a good chance there's a good possibility more than there is so in, in most other games but Napoli to drop points again yeah. and then that minus five could go down to minus three could even go down to minus two and then they're wow they're bang they're right in it you know Napoli are under pressure and you know, so Napoli can even afford to, I mean, it just takes the pressure off Napoli because Napoli could even potentially afford to draw with Juventus, yeah. maintain their, their their healthy lead over Juventus, maintain their healthy lead over Inter, even if Inter were to to draw, even if Inter were to win their next game, which they should do, you know, and then they're, and then they're you know, they're, 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 they're five, they're still five points over Milan. They still got a nice little, you know, decent little lead there. Mm. So it takes the pressure off uh off uh, off Napoli, it's unforgivable. You can't you can't throw away two points when you're two 0 up with with three minutes to and go, and when you've dominated the way you did. But yeah. um, speaking of defense, one defender, what a success story though, Kalulu. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that they just brought in to fill up the numbers pretty much, and he's turning out to be a French international. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he had he, he he did very well. He did very well. I mean, he scored a goal. He also did one really great goal saving block from mm. across. Um, you know, so yeah, we have to give him praise. And also but the I, fact that he can play as a right as a fullback as well as a central defender. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him at fullback, to be honest with you. But but I think that he's very useful as a as a as a in this Milan system um, in as well. That you know, if if they want to go to a back three, you know, he can. He can yeah. he can manage that as the yeah. right side of centre yeah. back definitely. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean yeah. I also want to give I want to give some praise to Pobega as well. I, I think really he's very like very. Him. I think he's very very underrated. And I've seen some people being critical of of Pioli saying that you know Milan lost control by taking Benacer off and that you know they shouldn't have taken him off because because he's on a yellow. Which I kind of agree conceptually that you shouldn't just take a player off because they're on a yellow card unless they really are at risk of 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 uh, of uh, you know of getting sent off. But but I don't think he really was at risk of getting sent off. But, you know, I thought Pobega did well when he came up. I thought Milan could maintain yeah. their control after Pobega came on. Sure. They, he obviously got the second goal. Um, I just think that they just defended two set pieces badly. It yeah. was simple as that. It wasn't that Roma were pinning them back yeah. and that they were they were peppering the goal. They weren't doing anything. They just got two set pieces. They got a corner and a, and a free kick and they crossed it in the box and they scored from it. Yeah, it was nothing. But there, one was nothing thing I, ta- there was nothing tactically uh, that changed about uh, the game. Well, well, see, that, see, I kind of disagree with that a little bit. I think you're, 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 you are right. But I do think that when Tahirovic came on for Roma and after after Milan scored the second goal, 
the attitude changed at Roma. They started pushing up. They started, they were more aggressive. They started pushing higher up. They started, they, 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 it was like they were playing with the brakes in for 86, 87 minutes, uh, for, for 80 something minutes. And, and they, they kind of let that go afterwards. They didn't create anything of substance, if we're perfectly honest, but there was a different approach, a different mentality, and a different aggression from Roma. Uh, but yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think Roma will definitely feel they smash and grabbed a, two, uh, a point, for sure. Um, yeah. I, mean, and- I, mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, from the Roma point of view, uh, I mean, again, I've no idea how they got a draw out of this. Uh, you know, it's going to be spun. Mourinho, of course, I know he wasn't on the bench. But he's going to spin it in such a way that, you know, this showed a great reaction from his team. This shows the Mourinho mentality that he's brought to this team. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't there, uh, you know. I mean, I don't know whether that, how much of this is down to him changing the mentality and how much of this was just down to a bit of fortune, a bit of bad defending from Milan. You know, maybe it's a, maybe there's a bit of both there. Uh, one thing we can probably praise Roma, and there's definitely, they have moved forward, um, is that, you know, this season they've got results against Milan, Inter and Juventus, all of the big three. Mm. Uh, when was the last time that that's happened? Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, they, they become a it become they become a, a joke, didn't it, Roma? How yeah. they big could games. never get re- against big games. They can never get any results. Well, this season they've beaten Inter. Um, away. Uh, and they've away. drawn Milan away. And they've drawn Juve away. They drew with Juventus away, yes. Yeah, so three away matches, yeah. and they've, they've, they have run beat. I mean, so yeah, that I mean, that's good. You've got you've got to give them credit for that. Um, and, and the game against of, Napoli was really decided on on individual brilliance by Osimhen. I mean, it was that's just, right, yeah. And it was a late goal as well, it wasn't was a it? Late goal, yeah. It was so a late so goal. they are they are performing in big they're games. They're doing better, yeah. They're doing better in the big games. At least they're competitive in the big yeah. games. And you know what? Even to be honest with you, even in this game, even though Roma didn't create anything. Actually, Milan didn't create much either. No, if we're really, didn't. if we're really honest, they didn't create. I mean, I'm looking at the XG now. I'm looking at the XG. The XG was one. So Roma actually had a higher XG than Milan, one point zero nine to one point one one. And Milan's goals, what did they come off? One was Kalulu uh, was off a corner, right? And yeah. um, so they scored off a set piece as well. And the second one was, I guess, okay, Roma were pushing forward and they caught them on the counter. So, I mean... Well, I wouldn't was... read too much into that XG thing simply because of the fact that the Darmian chance that he squandered against Napoli was only 0.16 XG. That's that, that, to me, is like the way they cal- calculate that is, is a bit flawed. But I do think it's a useful tool to show how many chances... Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, created, look, but... go through it. I mean, tell me what were the big chances Milan had in this game. They didn't well, really they didn't. That's that. what I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I wanted to discuss. And that is the fact that... Rafael Liao is so wasteful in decisive cha- in the decisive moments, um, not just in terms of his finishing on goal, but also crosses. Um, and it's it's like that is he's so inconsistent in the final third, and that's crazy given that he made another assist and he's one of the top assist, you know, top goals and assists and points producers in, in attacking the Serie A. That, that I'm saying this, but if you look at the sheer number of chances and the sheer number of attacks that Milan have that go through him and how many he squanders a game, you can't do that when you're a top player. And I do consider yeah. Leao to be a top player, a potential world-class top three creme, creme de la creme player. Um, and and he needs to, to cut that out and he needs to get that out of his 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 game. Yeah, um, when you think when you think that he's ironing out the inconsistencies yeah. in his, with his final ball and his final finish, they 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 kind of creep back into his game. Yeah. You've seen that this season that mm. you know you think he's you think he's they're they're starting to be ironed <coughs> out and that he's becoming that world class player, which which the world class players don't have those inconsistencies. No. And that's the no, difference but that's the difference between the, the very, very top players and just the top players. Mm. 
um, you know, that they don't. But he's still got an assist. I mean, we've got to give him credit for that. And like, let's yeah. remember, I don't think Leao is the finished product. He's, he is definitely still a diamond in the rough in many regards. And this is one of those uh, aspects, isn't it? Um, yeah. I would but, say Milan also tied, maybe tied a little bit at the end. Um, I think all yeah. the teams tied. And, and this yeah. is where squads are going to come into it. And Milan right now, although they have all their first choice players played, they do have a lot of injuries to the squad members. And that, that can play its part. You know, when you're playing so regularly, which, which is going to happen now, because we're not even halfway in the state in the season yet. We've not even started the knockouts of the Champions League. We've not even started the Coppa Italia uh, at all for the big teams. Yeah. You know, so you know the squads are going to come into it. Milan do need to get some of their, well, their one, players back. But from Roma's point of view, yeah. from, from from Roma's point of view, um, can I just say one one point I want to make about Roma? Yeah. Um, the point about the attack that we've raised that time and time against. So there's no point going over that. But Roma need to buy a new goalkeeper. They need <laughs> to buy a new goalkeeper. Rui Patricio is a disaster and up to and he that first goal he should have saved it was a, yeah. it was a, it was a, it was a simple save really for 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 a level for a well, Serie it's A also level the defenders Roger Ibanez again I'm sorry he's just not good enough for a team that wants to challenge for the top 4 I think it's a goalkeeping issue I think it's a defender issue I do think that they need to consider the Zaniolo because he was dreadful again it's he's clearly not mm. it's not working for him do what do they do there I do but Patricio, but Rui Patricio last season he 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 did well. I thought he was I thought he yeah, was pretty he good. Showed all of his experience. Can't this this season he's been a disaster. He's he's I mean I looked up at the stats before before this game. The, the, the updated stats hadn't come come by at the end of the game. So, but he was his expected goals against before this game was ten, uh, and and he conceded uh, fourteen you know, fifteen. This was at the time well fourteen. Now well, now it's fifteen. Um, he has the lowest number of big saves in Serie A this season out of all the regular goalkeepers. So all the goalkeepers that have played, started, you know, yeah. started goalkeepers, obviously had the odd one like Pedian or someone else who's who's played, but they've only played a handful of games. Uh, and 14th for shot save percentage in Serie A. I mean, shot save percentage is not always the best barometer for, for goalkeepers because it depends on how many saves you get. But but um, but certainly the low, that low number, the lowest number of big saves is very telling. Uh, and the fact that Roma are conceding uh, way over their expected goals against, uh, and again we saw in this game, you know that that first goal should have should have saved it. He should have saved it, and that was at a time when, up until that point, there'd not even been a single chance in the game. So. You know, this is what these are the things that condition games. It's a Roma. Absolutely. Well, so does so does. Let's be honest, Tatarusano. God bless. I mean, yikes. Yeah, but I don't think he. I don't think you can blame him. You can't blame him on, on any of the goals. But I, do I think, think the like, first goal is he looks like he's hanging. As we say in Swedish, looks like he's hanging laundry, like he's just out there. <laughs> yeah, but you're around. not saving that. That was an absolute bullet. Yeah, you're not yeah. saving that. No goalkeeper in the world is saving that. I think the only thing I would say is that with Mike Magnon, maybe he organises defence. Maybe yeah. he thinks more calm to defence. Yeah. You know, he commands the, the, command, the, the commands the defence. You yeah. know. So, so there's that, and, and that that makes more of a difference. Um, you don't have that presence, and it intimidates the opposition as well. Um, you know, just one that. final point on Roma, um, and and of course Daniolo being poor. Tammy Abraham, I mean, he has struggled, and he is struggling. Uh, but these last two games, he saved a certain goal to win the game against Bologna, mm. and now he scores an all important yeah. two two. Uh, for uh, for for Roma, I mean, these the, this is important, and he's a young player. He's still developing. He's not the finished product. Um, I yeah, still well think, said. I still think that he will leave in the summer. I think, I think something will have to happen because I don't think either you know Mourinho will demand something in the summer. I think he will be like, look, 
you need to invest if if you want me here to win something and to make the top four. Um, and whether or not you know Tammy stays, I'm not so sure. Uh, I think there's a lot of question marks at Rome. I mean, I'm not even sure Mourinho stays. Let's remember, he signed a three-year contract. Mm. He'll be two-thirds out of that, into that this summer. And Mourinho will... will the next the next months will determine Mourinho's yeah, future. I think we, so at least we, we know he's not going to Portugal now because it's going to Roberto Martinez. I mean, so, if we're well, talking... Roberto Martinez there to destroy another golden generation. Well, he's, already is, destroyed, <laughs> he's already destroyed one golden generation. No, I mean, he, is. he really is the Harry Maguire of football <laughs> management, isn't he? I mean, it's like he really is failing upwards all the time i don't understand who how does this guy keep getting get, keep getting these high must have the same oh. agent as paredes yeah. <laughs> probably yeah i mean exactly it's got it's it's, it's a, i'm telling you it's a conspiracy it's my conspiracy theory paredes yeah. and roberto martinez careers in coaching and as players it, it's a money laundering scheme one day it'll come out yeah it will <laughs> it will okay let's let's move on from from one milanese team throwing it all away to to another um, another team, another Milanese team throwing it all away, and that is, of course, Inter, who were seconds away from a from a from a, a vital, uh, if probably undeserved, win against against Monza, two one up, and then they concede right at the end um, to draw two two. And as I just said before, the same as Milan, you know, this you know having, I mean, it's so frustrating. It must be so frustrating as an Inter fan, Nima, that you beat Napoli. You get it down to seven points. You know, you're playing before Napoli play their game as well. You have the chance to, to, to get it down to four points and put yourselves right in the Scudetto race with Napoli playing against Juventus this, this coming Friday. And then you throw it all away. And now you're back to 10 points. I mean... Look, the, the, the Monza game for me showed uh, many things. Um, I think it's... Uh, Inter were dreadful throughout. This was one of the, I said after the Napoli game, and I stand by that, that was one of the best game. That was the best performance under Inzaghi. This was one of the worst. Um, the team was completely not there. This there wasn't a tactical issue. This was a, this was a team that every single player was just off their game. They looked tired. Chalanoglu and Barella came off with, came off, complained, asked to be brought off because of an injury. Edin Dzeko looked cooked. Francesco Acerbi looked cooked. Mikitarian had his worst performance in an Inter game, in an Inter shirt since joining, and I think he's been really good and consistent, but this was dreadful. He looked exhausted as well. Um, Lautaro was Lautaro, Darmian, and Bastoni on Anna, they're the, they're the most positive ones, but they were also not very good. Maybe Darmian and Bastoni and Onana, really. But I would be more annoyed if I were a Milan fan, because Milan dominated Roma for 87 minutes. Inter were dreadful, and Monta deserved their draw. Yes. There's no doubt about that that was an absolute refereeing scandal on par with what happened to Milan Spezia. That goal should have stood. Gianluca Sacchi, Juan Luca Sacchi embarrassed him, so it was dreadful refereeing. But it doesn't matter because Inter, Inter were dreadful for 90 minutes plus added time. Absolutely unwatchable. Um, and, and to me, what's really worrying is that it didn't matter what Inzaghi did. He brought on Romelu Lukaku, who managed in 35 minutes to pull up the worst performance in the last decade and a half of any Inter striker. 
and I and I'm including Marco Livaia, Thomas Rocchi, you know, the banterer. He was he looked like a retired footballer. Belfodil. Belfodil, exactly. I mean Romelu Lukaku looked like Darko Panchev. No, well that was that was that was way, way earlier than that. But Darko Panchev was a quality player, he just didn't do well at Inter. He won the European Cup. But look, uh, Romelu Lukaku looked like a retired footballer of 10 years who was playing an exhibition match trying to raise funds for charity. We'll, we'll come on to Lukaku. We've got it was a segment absolutely Lukaku. Unwatchable. Leave Lukaku alone. No, I'm going to leave him alone for now. But <laughs> but then, but you know, every single one he brought on and, and, and every single player he brought on did not improve it. Gagliardini is not good enough. Uh, Aslani is is not the finished product. Um, and and but but the thing that pisses me off is is how the experienced players let Inter down. Mikitarian, I mean, doing a sombrero in the ninety third minute in midfield, losing possession, which led to the equaliser, is so stupid. Caldirola, it was Mikitarian, wasn't it? Was, no, no, it wasn't Aslan, It was Mikitarian doing Mkhitaryan. the sombrero. And then and then you've got Denzel Dumfries, who I mean, this is becoming he's becoming a meme now. That. You know, Luca Caldirola, former Inter player, not a very good central defender, or has not had a very great career, had some few decent years in the Zweite Bundesliga and, and in the Bundesliga as well. <laughs> now, you know, that cross was telegraphed in last week's Gazeta that it was going to come. Denzel Dumfries, if you look at that, he waits and waits and waits until Caldirola is firmly up in the air, then decides to jump into his chest. Caldirola botches the header. It bounces off of Dumfries and then goes into the corner where Onana can't save it. That I mean, again, the experienced players, the, the players that are supposed to deliver now and lead this Inter, every single one of them let Inter down. It wasn't a tactical issue because... Tactically, you, I can't point to well if he done this differently. No, this was just one of those days where Inter's can I, can I, lack can I, of quality. No, let me finish. Where Inter's lack of quality showed. I'm sorry, but it's 2023, and your key players are Francesco Acerbi, Mikitarian, Edin Dzeko, and Denzel Dumfries and, and Romelu Lukaku. So how do you explain going from that performance against Napoli? Three because days that's what me, that's what inconsistent mediocre teams do. They can beat, they can pull off something fantastic and beat uh, uh, the, the league leaders convincingly, but they can't maintain that consistency. And that's what Inter are. I'm sorry, but the the, the table doesn't lie. You know, it's it's 17 games, five losses, one defeat. How, in what galaxy is this, is this team going to win the, 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 the Serie A? It's just on paper. Is, yes, on paper, I had Inter before the season started winning the Serie A. But games aren't played on paper. They're played on the pitch. And evidently, Inter are not good enough to win the Serie A. It's as simple as that. I, and, evidently, this, and evidently, Inter have five quality players, if you ask me, top-class players. Lautaro, Brozovic, Skriniar, Barella, um, Lautaro, Skriniar, Brozovic, Barella, and um, Bastoni. Okay, these are the five players that Inter have that are top class. The, they have a few players like Chalanoglu, Onana, who and Di Marco, who are good, high quality level, but they're not world class, top class yet. Right, the rest of them are either poor or way past it, and and you can't count on them to be your starting key players in 2023 in a team that supposedly wants to win the Serie A. I'm sorry, but that's, that goes back to uh, the management. And I come, want to come back to that as well. It comes back to this. Again, the, their three latest marquee signings, Correa, 
Gorsens, Lukaku in a situation where they have no money to spend either is unacceptable from top mm. to bottom. Unacceptable. The Sooning pro- the Sooning Inter project is dead. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's be honest. What we're seeing here. Okay. What, if- we're, do- what we're doing now is damage control. It's damage control, and you don't win titles with damage control. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, listen. If I can, if I can narrow this down away from the bigger picture, but into this, this game, and I look at what went wrong for Inter, there's, there's two things I want to raise to try and explain it. First of all, um, I think Inter looked tired, but in the second half, especially, they they looked out on their feet. I mean, they were they were they had no energy, no intensity. Um, you know, Monza were, were first at every single ball. Monza wanted it more than them. Um, I, I think that probably playing three days earlier. Uh, in such a such an intense game against Napoli, um, you know, as well as Inter played, I think that probably took its toll in the in the in the second half um, a, against Monza. That that shouldn't be an excuse because you know everybody, Come all the on. Serie A teams, all the Serie A teams played. But you know, you're playing against Napoli, who you know they as even though they played badly, you know they control the ball, they control possession and everything, and mentally it's very tough on them. I think I do think that that played a role, especially when you look at some of the older players that they've got in the team. That I don't think they can they can play twice. We I mean Jeco as much as we praised him, yeah. you know Jeco, we hailed him for his fantastic performance against Napoli and winning them the game. You know he's thirty seven in two months. You, know, you can't play these kind of players twice twice in three days. You know they need they need you need to rotate. You need the you need to to rest these players and 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 play them. You know once a week. You know I would add. Um, uh, not just not to check a Cherby. A Cherby was absolutely magnificent against Napoli. But you know he's thirty five now. I think yeah. he's about to turn thirty five yeah. again. You know you're playing players like Cherby. You know in an intense game against Napoli, then you're playing again three days yeah. later. You well, know that's against exactly, that's exactly and Monta have got point. pace as well. You know well, that, that's Danny exactly Mato's my are, point. That's what so, I said. So when your key is, players are these are your key players in twenty twenty three. Yeah. So so I think <laughs> that tiredness came into it, but. The other, the other point that I would raise um, is are Inter becoming too counter-attacking under Inzaghi? We know that Inzaghi, at the beginning of the season, he wanted to buy Bremer so that he could push Inter up the pitch. Obviously, that deal got hijacked by Juventus. So, you know, he, he was trying to be a little bit more, you know, trying to be a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, modernise their game and being a little bit more of a high press earlier on in the season. It wasn't working. Inter were losing a lot of games. Then he's pulled the defensive line back a little bit more, kind of like Antonio Conte did yeah. uh, during the Scudetto the winning season. Yeah. And it started yielding some good results. It started to, you know, they started, and obviously they've got a fantastic, brilliant win using kind of using this tactic against against Napoli. And um, Barcelona. And Barcelona as well. But, you know, if we're going back three days and we're trying to explain the difference between winning and then to Napoli and then somehow not being able to oh, beat Monza. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, the counter-attacking, this count, kind of counter-attacking system, it... it it isn't going to work as well against. I think it teams. is going to work. It's it's against it's small not, teams. No, against no, it, it teams, is going not, to work. The, the issue was not a tactical one. Well, it didn't work because when you've got when you've got eleven players who don't perform, you're not going to win football games. It doesn't matter who you are. But the, the it's not a tactical issue here. I, well, I, don't I think it. in this game, you look at the second half. They Inter conceded way too much possession. They were pegged back by Monza. You know, you shouldn't be getting pegged back. This is the kind of thing that I will that I well, will you should criticize. be creating. This is the kind of this is the kind of stuff that I I criticize Allegri for playing like a small having a small team mentality against small teams. You know, I want you to take boss the game against these kind of level teams. Yeah, I'm not and saying then in order to do that, the second you need half, eleven players on the pitch. Inter had at best nine. Romelu Lukaku was 
at best a passenger. Uh, I don't know what he was. He was an old age pensioner who'd who on who suffers from dementia, who'd wandered onto the pitch and didn't know what he was doing. I mean, what do you what, what is he supposed to do? Like, yeah, it, but we're talking about the mentality of the team. Pushing it's, the, pushing it's not the a mentality line. problem when you ha- when your marquee signings, two of them, one of them is known for just b- pretending to do asados. The other one is a German who's been complaining about not getting playing time and not being good enough, and he's being benched by the Marshall. I want this the way. One, I, want want into the, I want Inter to dominate possession against Monday. I don't want them to dominate positions. I don't care about that. Max Allegri's won eight games in a row, playing one, winning one nil, one nil, and he's has. I mean, he's not conceded anything, and he's second in the league. I don't care about. About these things. But he got knocked out of the Champions League with, with, yeah, with, with, well, with three points from six games. Well, you know? so, Congratulations. So, well, so you win the, so it's about winning trophies. I'd rather, I'd rather get knocked out in the group stages of the Champions League and win trophies. Well, than, we'll than, see if he wins trophies. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. The thing we'll is, see. My, my point is simply... Listen, I'm, I'm raising a question. I think counter-attacking, this kind of counter-attacking football against small teams doesn't work as well. It doesn't, well, that, that, well that's a fact. That history it depends shows that. on your personnel. Do you have the right players for it? And on paper, Inter have the personnel this squad is is built to play that kind of football the problem is that the players that he's got are simply not good enough at this moment the key players are too old or out of form and not delivering and 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 what i mean by that is the key players through no fault of their own of Francesco Acerbi, because Stefan De Frey is is completely burnt out as as inter fans on on twitter call him De Freyd. Like that's how that's how bad he is, and then you've got <laughs> Romelu Lukaku. If De Frey is is fried, I don't know what to call Romelu Lukaku, or or Joaquin Correa, who is a meme. Well, let's move on to Romelu Lukaku now because this. I mean, he's had many many meme worthy uh, moments during his career, Romelu Lukaku. But I think there was one moment in this game. It was in the ninety first minute, yeah, into a lead in two one. Gosens picks up as a throw-in by the by the left corner flag, uh, the the Monza corner flag in the Monza yeah. the Monza penalty area. He throws it to Lukaku, uh, simple control, and it it, it, it it come off his knee and goes straight out of play. I mean, it didn't that, it, laughing. It, it, the, the camera goes to to Jeko, who's on the inter bench, and he's absolutely pissing himself. And, and, and that's the second any, time that happened this week because to Cholito Simeone, that happened against Napoli yeah. too. And Cholito Simeone was rolling <laughs> on the floor. I mean, yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I oh, mean, if there's any one moment that could sum up like the worst of Lukaku's career, it was that it was that moment. And if there was any one game that could sum up like all the bad things uh, of Lukaku's career, it was this game. And then we were chatting after the game, was it? And I and I raised the question, was this the worst yes. performance by Lukaku in his entire career? Yes. And I think I think potentially it was. Yes, I think it was. I've never seen him seem be be, be I mean 35 minutes where he I, I don't again I don't care about the first touch. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about not winning a single ball not being able to hold up the ball won no duels had no shots on goal he didn't create a single chance um he's you know it's the 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 body language on the pitch jogging around running into lautaro martinez's way a couple of times it was it was comedic it should have been the intro to curb your enthusiasm that's what you should have been played those 35 minutes should just be on loop curb your enthusiasm outro that's how it was. It was embarrassing. It was an absolute embarrassment. And and the thing that drives me up the walls is how everyone at Inter is running interference and protecting this guy, saying that 
you know, well, you know, he works so hard in training, he'll get it to go. I don't care how hard he works in training. It's clearly not working. Whatever he's doing is not enough. And I think that I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I've, I've come to the conclusion and I hope I'm wrong. I'll gladly raise my hand up and say, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I think he's finished at the top level. I think it's obvious that he's finished at the top level. He's his body. I mean, he's been, if you look at how young he was when he first burst onto the scene, and if you look at his career, he's always scored goals, but he's only ever been a top-class striker, a world-class striker for two seasons when he had a drill sergeant in Antonio Conte who told him when to sleep, when to wake up, when to eat, when to shit, when to piss, when to breathe, when to inhale, when to exhale. But Simone Inzag is not going to do that, and no one mm. else is either. And, yeah, and he, that, he, would have, he would have missed the toilet if he went for a shit after this game. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's absolutely embarrassing. And now, again, we, we wake up to the news that he, against Napoli, he complained of, of an inflammation of a tendon. And, yeah. and he's going to miss, he's got an inflammation in his knee, according to Di Marzio. He's going to miss the game against Parma. Look, it's, his body is, is clearly, it's not working. And I think what Jacques Talbot said when he was on our show last week, we were all a bit like, taken aback. Yes, I think Saudi Arabia and the MLS is on the cards here. And if, because unless something dramatic, drastic changes over the next two, three months, and I've got to be honest with you, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I see a player that has, that is so, it's, it's like it, he's peaked. I think it's, it's a, mm. again, it's another Handanovic situation. It's another DeFry situation. It's a big, sta- it's a big, big statement to make um, that, you know, he's I th- finished. I think so. He's finished. I think finished. he's. No, I'm not saying. He's I mean, finished, I, finished at the I'm highest level. Yes, I'm saying he's finished as a world. He will never ever be a world class number nine. Was he ever a world class number well, nine? Well, I mean, under Antonio thing. Conte, he was. Under Antonio Conte, yeah. those two seasons, he was one of the best number nine. I didn't say he was the best. He was mm. one of the best in the world, and that's why Chelsea paid almost 100 million pounds for him. But, yeah. but the, after that, I'm sorry. It's it, for me. I just don't see it. I, I don't think it's a mental issue, or, or it could be that as well. I mean, he doesn't seem that interested either. You know, he, he, he looks like he's. I don't know. Just I just don't. I think he is interested. I think he does want it. I just think that maybe. I mean, I raised this question at the beginning of the season, didn't I? I said, you know, well, he, he is, wants I, it the same way I, I want to. Remember, I said it. Remember, I work for it. Do you remember I, mean, I said it at the start of the season? And I said, is is his body breaking down? Yeah. I, I asked that question, yeah. and I said, well, well, the next few months will will yeah. answer that question. And I so think so far, yeah, everything that we've seen from August till till January, is, is, you know, it does seem like his body is breaking down. And, you know, that you look at the number of injuries. I think he's had 355 minutes of football this season. Yeah. He's only scored two goals. One of them, in, only one in Serie A. One was in the Champions League in a, in a threat. They were already, was it three or four goals up against... Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, was it Peltz, Victoria Peltzen? Yeah, was it Victoria, Victoria Peltzen, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, so, I mean, you know... He and then he got really, injured immediately afterwards. Yeah, and he, so he really has offered nothing, but he's he's he, he's getting so many injuries. And the, and the problem with Lukaku is, and we've seen this throughout his career, is that he always needs kind of four or five games of 90 minutes in a row to build up his form because he, he's, you know, because he's such a big guy and he's so big built, you know, he... he 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 doesn't. You can't just put him in after a period of inactivity, and and he just gets, you know, straight back to his best. It just just doesn't work with with him. And the problem with him is he can't get a run of games. He can't get a run of even two, three games in a row because he just keeps getting an, another little he injury, another slow. little injury, he and now he's got this. So he's now got another injury. Now that's mm. going to set him back even further. It's going to take another four or five games, and it, and it's just 
you know, it's just it, it's just ne- it's just a never ending loop, really. For Lukaku, no, it, is. it is a right never ending loop, and and it's putting Inter again. This is, you know, they they keep consistently making big losing bets. They they placed a big losing bet on Korea. They've placed a big losing bet on Lukaku so far, and Gorsens as well. Um, although I think you know we'll see what happens there, but because I think he's been useful this season uh, when he's played, uh, even though it's a peripheral role. But still, these are the big money, big marquee signings, and they've all pretty much been flops. It's zero for three. Yeah. And and that's unacceptable when you're in Inter's financial situation, when you have that predicament to miss, mm. go over. The problem three. with Lukaku right now looks short in every single area yeah. of the game. He looks he looks horribly short technically, like as, as bad technically. I mean, he's always been mocked throughout his career for his for his for his poor first touch, except for a period under Conte where Conte seemed to almost. <laughs> cure him of that for a while where he was actually receiving the ball with his back to goal laying because he it was off, controlling and, him and, and which was a which was which was a miracle really from Conte but then but then when, as soon as he got went back to Chelsea he, he kind of went back to his old ways uh, and then now we've seen even back at Inter he, I mean his touch this season but his touch in this game wow 15 touches in this game 35 minutes lost it 10 times uh, and you know there was one moment where he missed. Have you ever seen? An ele- have you ever seen an elephant turn on like BBC World, like BBC <laughs> Earth? That's how it looked like every single time he received the ball. Have you ever seen an elephant try to try to turn around? That's how it looked. That's how slow he looked. That's mm. how that's how smooth he was. It, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's just. It's, it's just, not just technically. It's it's physically. It's technically. It's physically. Technically, technically, physically, and mentally, mentally as well. As well. Mentally. Because mentally, you say he wants it. Yeah, I'm sure he wants it. I mean, he wants it the same way I want a six pack, but I'm not working for it. Like it's it's, it's easy to want things, but you also got to do something for it, and he's not doing it. Well, it's so, funny you should mention that actually about not having a six pack because because you know in the game against uh, Napoli. He actually looked. I thought he did all right against Napoli, actually. But yeah. against Napoli, he looked. He looked as ripped as I've ever seen him. He looked like he'd lost a lot of weight. He looked. You know, he didn't look heavy, which he has done earlier on in the season. He looked. You know, he looked like he'd, he'd obviously over Christmas. He'd been working really, really hard to to lose weight. Then I see him three days later, yeah. in the space of three days, he's like put on half a stone. It's like, yeah. how this, like, I was like, what is going on? How would you, I mean, I know that some people have got fast metabolism, some have got slow metabolism, but Lukaku, I mean, what is going on? What did yeah, he do he in the space bloated. of three days? He looked bloated and it was, it was just, he looked slow and no, it was, it was horrible. It was it like Kanye blew up the kid. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. it really was like one of the, I love these 80s and 90s, like movie. I don't want to fat shame. I don't want to fat yeah. shame, but you know. Well, it's not, it's, know. Not, it's not fat. It's not Yeah, we're not, fat. we're not saying fat. It's not we're fat. Talking, it's, we're talking about professional footballer here. Yeah. Play, that's, that's getting paid a hell of a lot of money and you cannot, I'm sorry, but you cannot go from, from looking as ripped as hell against Napoli to three days later looking overweight. I mean, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't make any sense. You look I mean, more seen... bloated than I do after a three-day bender. <laughs> Gosh. So... Wanna... <laughs> Let's move on. We don't want to know any more about that. Um, okay. So the, the, the big winners, obviously, from, from Milan and from Inter, uh, um, throwing it away at the end, was, of course, Napoli, who responded to that Inter defeat with a comfortable win. Um, not not too much to say about this game, other than I mean, I want to single out two players, Victor Ossiman. Uh, I mean, he's becoming the le- a leader, if not the leader of Napoli now. Um, and you know, he got Napoli out of a 
you know, what could have been a tricky situation after they missed that early penalty for yeah. Politano. It could have it could have been mentally really a big blow for them. And you know, he got that goal and he, you know, he was he wants it so badly. He's such a pain in the ass for defenders. He's on you all the time. Uh, great goal. Got Rincon sent off as well. So I mean he was the key man in this game. And I also want to single out Mario Wee, who got the assist for that first goal. And he's got seven assists yeah. this season. Um only Milinkovic Savic has more assists yeah. than Serie A. Uh, in, he's become quite the offensive weapon and it's so funny because he was like everyone was thinking you know I remember we were all talking about it Napoli fans everyone watching Napoli were like saying okay well they need to they really need to strengthen that left wing yeah, yeah, yeah. their fullback and they did with Oliveira and then instead Ruiz just upped his game and, yeah. and been really really good this season it's really it's really interesting to see but for me Elmas again like this guy, yeah. what I mean again with the Spalletti and developing players, what he's done with Lobotka and and um, so versatile because yes, he well, he's playing as a left winger and as a and as he can a, play anywhere a, pretty much. He can play midfield as, well. as well, and it's like yeah. he he he's well. That's where he started. He's played yeah. instead of Zielinski, didn't he originally? Yeah. Now nah, yeah. Spalletti doing doing. He's become Spalletti. useful. He's become a useful weapon because because yeah. Kavaratskaya. If we can if we're going to talk about a negative, Kavaratskaya. Yeah. Is he's he's not at it yet. He's not quite at it no. yet. He he was very very. I mean, he got completely taken out of the game against Inter, and in this game, he was just yeah. He was just he's not in form. I, I think yeah. it's impossible. He wasn't to... awful. He wasn't awful. No, in this but, he wasn't game, in but he form. wasn't. He's not quite at it. He's not no, quite there no, right now. There's, and... the, there's a there's a bit left. He's a little bit out of form, and I think he's still yeah. a young player. We need to remember that. And this is his like first big season at a and one of the top five clubs, so top five leagues, and and in a Napoli leading the Serie A. So you know, we, we, it's it's they, I, I'm willing to cut him some slack there. Yeah, um, but but for me, it's the the what I found imp- impo- important for Napoli is that they were able to handle a tricky situation. That was not an easy ground to go to, raining, heavy pitch, miss yeah. a penalty. Those are the kinds of games where Napoli before used to drop points. An emotional occasion as yeah, well. Emotional with Vialli, occasion, you know, the, the exactly. before the game was beautiful. By yeah, the way, really as, as a side note, but yeah, it was. It wasn't an easy game, but they, you know, once they got going, uh, once they got the goal, they were in complete control. A little bit uh, wasteful in front of yeah, goal. To be were. honest with you, they, they need to they need to improve that. Uh, the only other but point, I just yeah, the only other point. Yeah, sorry. The I only other point be, I want to make yeah. is, is the penalties. Like, yeah, they I was need, just going to say. They need to pick a bloody penalty taker. What is going on this season? Like every single game, they change the penalty taker. <laughs> uh, I, I think go with Osman. Even if he misses, go with Osman. Or if Elmas is on the pitch, then he takes them. Like some, something, do something like that. Because this this rotating nonsense is. Why does Kavara take it? I mean, surely Kavara just yeah. would be the obvious one, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean. I don't know. Maybe they consider him ready. Maybe, to... maybe he doesn't. Maybe we haven't seen something in training. I, I, yeah. I don't know. They need to pick a penalty taker. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they must have had about five or six penalty takers yeah. this, this season, and they've missed missed probably half of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that that is going to cost them. It could cost them in the Champions League, for example. You know, in the Champions League, if it goes, they might get a penalty shootout oh. in, in the Champions League. They need to bloody sort out their penalty takers. What what is going on? Because it seems to be a bit chaotic at the moment. Mm. And um, yeah. But yeah, the only other thing to take away, I mean, from a Sampdoria point of view, I thought Sampdoria, they this was not the game they were supposed to pick up points in. Um, they did win uh, midweek, and that's that was important for them. But they need to like I, I thought this was a decent, you know, given that it's a top side against the bottom side. I thought it was a decent performance. I think the Rincon sending off sent you know killed the game off effectively. Um, I I to me that is a that is a clear red card. I don't understand what the supposed controversy is even about. It's it's equally a dog so as it is like it's dangerous play. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think because it, it was on the angle, there was more debate on the on the doxo, as you call it. Um, but, um, but I love that name, by the way. Um, but um, but but as for the, I mean, it was dangerous play, to be honest. It was. It His was, foot is. Was, um, I mean, I thought the first. I thought the first penalty was clear. Yeah. I thought the first penalty was clear. Yeah. Um, because I mean, he just stamped on him clearly yeah. after the ball. I mean, so you know, I thought the the the, the last one was a little bit was a little bit unlucky. Unlucky, maybe the word, not not necessarily well, incorrect. It wasn't incorrect. But, but it, it comes down again to, and I want to debate this later. There's a, there, I want to talk about this later. Again, it comes down to the debate I make about, you know, penalties. There's too many penalties that are given nowadays um, for, for incidents that are not going to lead to chances or goals. Um, so, you know, that's that's another debate to have. But, we uh, but yeah. had that, didn't we discuss that? I can't remember when we did. About the yeah. penalty box and all yeah. that. Yeah, but there's, I want to come to that late because there was a, there was a in another game there was a penalty incident. I wanted to mention. No, that. but look, I think I think Sampdoria, I think they are, they can get relegated for sure. But they need this was not the game they needed to to no. uh, to to win. Uh, and and again, seventeen games in, we're not even halfway through. There is time. Six points is not impossible. It's not no, but they do need to find goals somewhere. They eight do. goals, eight yeah. goals in seventeen games. I mean, they're just they're just they're just going down. Yeah, they're yeah. not staying up. So yeah. they have to. They have to get find someone. They need to buy someone a goal scorer yeah. uh, or two in in January, or, or find some kind of miracle coach to bring the goals out of the, <laughs> the current players. Um, let's move on to Juventus now. Eight wins in a row now against Udinese. Eight clean sheets in a row. Um, when <laughs> I was saying to a friend, when I was growing up, there, there used to be a chart yeah, one nil to, to the Arsenal, one nil to the, the Arsenal. Arsenal, George Graham's uh, Arsenal. Yeah, the George Graham Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 I think they need to. There needs to be a new chant for for one nil to the Juve. I mean, it's five of those eight wins have been have been one nil, and it's um, yeah, it's just going on and on. I mean, I actually thought this was a much better performance than the Cremonese yeah, one. I thought it against was. Cremonese, against Cremonese, uh, they were absolutely dreadful and just purely lucky to win that game um this game i think they deserve to win it uh, i know they scored the late goal um and they didn't create loads but they they i think they created enough to to deserve to win this game and um but you know that it just i don't know at the moment with juventus it's even without playing well of course it just everything just seems quite inevitable with, with juventus they're scoring so many late goals and, and there's one thing you know, I know I like it's to criticize Allegri. I know well, I like to criticize Allegri, but Allegri has certainly strengthened the mentality of this team, and mm-hmm. that, that that is shown by late goals. Because if you're scoring late goals, then that that is that's a mentality. That is a mentality thing. You can't just always call it like I know that the the Juve haters, the same as with the Man United haters back in the Fergie time days, would always say, "Oh, Man United, Juventus, they're so lucky. They always score late no. goals, not even goals." But you know, that does come down to mentality thing, and you know. If you look at their recent run, 85th minute winner versus Udinese, 90th minute winner versus Cremonese, uh, 73rd minute winner versus Lecce, 74th minute winner versus Torino, uh, eight of Juventus's 14 goals during this eight-game run have come in the last 20 minutes. That's um, classic Juve. All I'm yeah. hearing is Juve going back to being Juve under Allegri, who knows what that means and has been there before and is instilling it in a young squad whilst whilst getting rid of the old and bringing in the new. I mean, the the fact that they barely concede got any goals, um, they don't score many, but they win 1-0. Um, and and that's all that matters. And that is the Juve way. This this notion. I mean, every club has its identity and DNA. Milan have always been the, the entertainers and champagne football. Juve have never played champagne football in my lifetime. When like, it's, it's Juve, the only thing that matters is to win. 
That's the only thing that matters. Full stop. And he's he's instilling that in this in this in this team and in these players, um, and he's getting it. And and people are upset and they get because uh, it's not beautiful and blah blah blah. But still, look, he's 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 seven points off Napoli in second place, shared you know third because they you know they lost to Milan. But or did they lose to Milan? They did lose. They to drew. Milan. They drew, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say yeah. Now they 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 they're they're on the same points with Milan. They're 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 off uh, by seven points, and he he so could three points w- above Inter. Yeah, and they could bin and they could beat. I mean, they're strengthening the, they're strengthening the top four. They're strengthening the top four now, and um, they're looking they're looking solid for top. No, four. and if they yeah. beat Napoli away, which is not impossible, well, I think that's the key. Listen, th- this is the key. This is the key because you know Napoli is you know is is, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is is the big one. Napoli is the big one. Is the big one. I mean. I think that Napoli have a bit of the pressure taken off now yeah. because of because of because of Milan and Inter's results. I think if if Milan were five points behind them and they went into this game, then then I think that puts more pressure on because then they're kind of stuck between do we really go for it and try and win this game to maintain that five point gap, or you know are we you know it is it whereas now they can be a little bit more relaxed, knowing right we can go and play our game against Juventus, but if we get a draw, it's not the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? It's not. We'll maintain a seven-point gap over Juventus. Um, so I think that that's a good thing for for, for Napoli. Um, but from the Juventus point of view, I mean, yeah, they put themselves in a position now where you know they can win this game. They're in it, and then they're right in it because, or more so, because I think that um, Napoli, the pressure will really get on Napoli if they yeah. were to lose this and game. And it's Juve as well. This isn't, Mil- this isn't Inter or Milan chasing them. It's Juve chasing them. And it's like, yeah. that. there's a mental aspect to that. that also, be also with Juventus not being in the Champions League and being in the Europa exactly. League, it's obviously going to help as well because they can just play their reserves in the in the, in the the Europa. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this is, listen, this is going to be an absolutely fascinating game. Um, I think you still have to, you still have to favour it for Napoli because they're a, be- they're a better team. They play better football. And but, you know, the, the, you can't deny Juventus' eight-game winning run um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely great game on, mm. on Friday. As for Udinese, the miserable run continues. Uh, nine Serie A games in a row without winning, ten in all competitions, including the Coppa Italia, and that was after starting the season so well, winning six of the first eight. So yeah, it's 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 not going well. They were they were blunt in this game, um, but we can obviously put a lot of that down to also to Juventus having a good defence, having a fantastic defence. Yeah. And 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 uh, and I th- yeah no and he was playing McKenny as a right wing back. <laughs> he I swear I love it. He's, he really is a Bond villain, isn't he, Allegri? Like he just yeah. oh, I oh, love it, love it, love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, listen, let's 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 justice for Max. Justice yeah. for Max. Let's pick out one big positive though from this game. Federico Chiesa oh. is back, uh, and this is why we love him. This is why we love Federico Chiesa. Everybody Beautiful loves Federico player. Chiesa. He came on for the final thirty minutes. And, you know, he wasn't really doing much until he made the assist for the goal, for Danilo's goal. Uh, I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, fucking Allegri, excuse my language, Allegri stuck him out a right wing back. You see how it triggers me? <laughs> stuck him out a right wing back. But then he decided to put him on the on the left wing. Uh, and, and I mean, that that's magical. I mean, that, that's world-class. Mm, to, that, world to do that in one movement, to, 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 to I actually have to give credit to Paredes because it was a great, as much as we like to rip Paredes, it was a great lofted through pass over the defence, but the way that Chiesa took it in one mo- one motion off the chest, world class, almost half rolled down his chest and his leg, and then volleyed it into the path of, of Danilo. I mean, that is magic. That, that's world class. Also, uh, Orsolini couldn't could never. 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, he learned that. I mean, I think Orsolini taught him that. Yeah, yeah probably. But, um, yeah, I mean, that moment showed why he's so important for Juventus and yeah. for Italy and why we need him back, why Italian football needs him back, yeah. why the, the, the Azzurri need him back, why Mancini needs him back. Yeah. You know, this is what, why we just need to pray that, you know, that, that he... That he you know that he he gets back to his best, but you know those kind of moments. Um, all I would say is just please, please, Allegri. Just we can't have him playing as a right wing back, not like Yakini. So please, no more of that. Stick him out. Well, on the, on we the know wing. that Allegri doesn't see him as a right wing, but he sees him more as a striker and and one of the two up front. Then he said so. He said so, and he thinks that. Yeah, you see, I don't even I don't like him as a, as that. I've seen nothing. I know you think that he can maybe become that at some point, but we've seen nothing in his career to suggest he could, that that so far that he should be being playing there. I want him on the wing as a winger. He's up there with the best in the world when he's obviously fit and on form and everything. Um, I just, I would say one thing though, in Allegri's defence, you know, Zaniolo, you know, and we, we're, we've said a lot about Zaniolo, about how horribly mismanaged he was by Roma. And even if we're being critical by Mancini and that they rushed him back after the yeah. first ACL, played him, overplayed him, uh, playing too much. Then he did the, the, the other ACL. I'm going to say that actually Allegri, in a weird kind of way, even though I don't think Allegri's good with technical and young players, um, I actually don't mind Allegri being around for him coming back because I know he's going to ease him back. He's not going to, he's going to be conservative with him. You know, he's given him five sub appearances since he's come back. He hasn't started him. They've all been between 20 and 30 odd minutes. Um, I'm happy about that. I'm glad about that because I don't want him to be rushed and overloaded like, like Daniela. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. Yes. Okay. He's not going to use Chiesa and he's going to drive me mad playing him as a wing back and that isn't going to help develop him. But the most important thing now for Chiesa is slowly integrated, slowly integrated, gets minutes in his legs, gets more confidence, strengthens his his legs. He doesn't get injured. That's the most important thing. I'm almost don't care if the second half of this season Chiesa just as plays as a sub and just, you know, just comes on. I don't, I'm fine with that. Next season, he can get back on it. I just don't want another injury. So, you know, I'm happy with Allegri. Long term, I'm I'm really not sure Allegri's the right coach for Giza, but yeah. for now, for now, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I love how you can turn an eight eight match win streak one nil and Chiesa coming on and being important for the win into an Allegri bitch fest. You know, it's just amazing. It's the talent just being, you've got. Just being honest, mate. Just being honest. Um, okay, finally, before we just before we get into a Gianluca Vialli tribute, uh, the rest of the Serie A calendar. So Lazio, they oh. throw it away again as well against Empoli, two nil up, dominant, uh, pretty similar to Milan, actually. More emphatic than they had loads of chances. They They can see two goals in the last seven minutes. Um, They've dropped 13 points this season from winning positions. That's bad. Which is really bad. bad. Two two wins in seven games now, four defeats. And also, the other thing that's going is they had such a good defensive record at the beginning of the season, and now they've let seven in in the last three games, which. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me really. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was sustainable. No, it wasn't sustainable. But the fact that they they their defensive record seven goals in three games, given how good it was first, that that is a bit of a surprise for me. That is a yeah. bit of a surprise. And Sarri's yeah. defenses are actually usually rather good in, in his team, so that is a bit of a surprise for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fiorentina two, Sassuolo one. Um, yes. This is this is where I wanted to make the point that I made um, about you know I said uh, you know as we were saying earlier about how we need to rethink um, how we give penalties because the reward is too big for the for the crime uh, the punishment is too big for the crime. This was a perfect example of that. So it's one all ninety first minute. Now um, 
uh, Fiorentina player, I can't remember who it was, blasted it from point black range um, at the hand of Ruan, I think it was, the the, the Brazilian defender, right, for, for Sassuolo. Um, and he, the penalty is given. Now, whether it's a penalty or not a penalty, I mean, that's up for debate, right? That's not the point I'm making it. The point is that if you actually look at the shot, the mm. shot from the Fiorentina player is going off, is going off horizontally mm. for a throw-in. Not even hitting the corner flag. It's going off for a throw-in, like way. It's going miles, and it's not. It's, it's, it's just it's hilarious, right? You rewatch it, right? It's got a zero point zero zero xg, right? There's no chance of it becoming. Now that suddenly turns from that from being blasted at point black range at his hand with zero point zero xg. The VAR checks it for three minutes before giving it. So it's obviously debatable as well, and that turns from that into a into a penalty with a zero point eight xg. You know. And again, I, I, I repeat what I said the other week during the World Cup. Um, these you know, penalties, there's too much of a reward for, for, for penalties um, to go from that. It's just, it's just not fair. And, and as a result, Fiorentina win the game uh, from, a, from an incident where they were never going to score from. Um, so that's the only thing I would say, I, I would say from that. Uh, and then the other two games are Salernitana 1, Torino 1. That was a game of two halves. Torino chance after chance the first half in Salernitana with a better team in the in the second half and then Spezia nil Lecce nil. Uh, tonight we have we're recording this on Monday afternoon. We have Verona versus Cremonese and Bologna versus Atalanta. Okay, right. Just to finish off with before we get to prime face of the week, I want to do a tribute to Gianluca Vialli who who sadly passed away on Friday at the age of. Of 58, very, very sad. Um, Five-year battle with, with pancreatic cancer. Um, horrible cancer. It's, it's, it's one of those that, yeah, uh, we know with pancreatic cancer, it's, very, it's, very, it's a very difficult one um, to treat. Um, we, we go, we're going to tr- remember today a, a, you know, a truly special human being and, and just a, a legendary footballer. Um, so this is a, this is a tribute to to, to, to Luca. Um, first of all, although I, Vinema, I want to remember Viali the human. So I want to talk about him as as a, as a person first before we talk about him as a footballer. And you know what a special what a special human being he was. He really was. Um, he was very kind. Um, he, uh, I mean, he. You know, usually when this the thing we we do as people, don't we? This notion that you know, when someone dies, we try to we almost you know we remember them in in somewhat dishonest light. Like, oh, he was so fantastic and this and that. But with Riali, he was genuinely very kind. He truly was a very good person. He was very thoughtful and nice. And anyone who's ever met him will say that will will, will attest to this. Mm. Um, I've not met a single person who's had a single bad thing to say about him. Not no. a single person. No, not, not just not a bad thing to say. About them. Only everybody, good things. Yeah. Everybody had a story about Viali being nice to them. About you know how he was just so you know, went out of his way to help people. You know if you if you all the stories of teammates and play, people that work with him. You know down from teammates to just the tea lady and the kit man and and how he treated everyone like with such respect and. Um, you know, I think and I tweeted one out on Friday, a personal story of mine, how two years ago, uh, before before the Euros, um, actually, um, you know, we, we I, I tried to set up an interview with with Viali on the Italian Football Podcast, and uh, I contacted um, Viali's agent, um, and you know, said I would like to do an interview. Is it possible, please? 
Um, and then, you know, I, she, 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 she called me um, one day and she goes, oh, you know, you free right now? Have you got a moment? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm available. She goes, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put you through. And, and, and I was like, I wasn't sure what she meant. The next thing I know, it was Gianluca Vialli on the phone. And he was like, ciao, Carlo, you know, how, how are you? And I was like, oh, wow. You know, I go, oh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting to, <laughs> to speak to you, uh, you know. And he, and he was just, he was just, oh, no, it's, you know, I, I just think it's, it's better to, to speak to people in person. And, you know, you know, how are you? You know, how's everything? How's life? You know, it was really nice, you know, what to ask me how my career was, how, how my family was. And we didn't even, we'd never met before, you know. We didn't know each other personally. Uh, I don't even I don't even know if he knew who I was. He probably didn't even know who I was. You know, uh, he wanted to speak to me, uh, and the only re- you know the reason why he wanted to speak to me is he wanted to tell me in person that he couldn't do the interview. You know, instead of just leaving it to his agent and the agent saying to me, "I oh, know Gianluca's not available," you know, Gianluca can't do it. Or as often happens, anybody that's ever tried to, to, to get into is often you don't even get a reply. Most of the time, I would say about 70% or 80% of the requests you make, you don't even get a reply from, from the, the person you ask, whether it's you ask them directly or whether you, you go through a, an agency or an agent, you won't, even, you won't even get a reply. You know, Gianluca went out of his way to, to call back a stranger just to tell them, to their, you know, tell them directly, I can't do the interview. And he said, the way that he said it at the time was he said, you know, at the moment, I, I'm not doing any interviews. I just, I just don't feel, I don't feel up to it at the moment. Those were the words that he used. And when he said that, I kind of, the first thing I thought in my mind was I was a little bit worried because at the time he was, he was cancer free. You know, he had cancer originally, I think it was in 2017. Then he got the all clear, I think maybe 2019-ish maybe. Um or 2020 and then this was kind of I think beginning of 2021 some point in 2020 and when I heard that I kind of I mean I don't know when he got re-diagnosed but at the time I remember thinking oh you know I was really I was really worried and I thought oh really I really hope it hasn't come back or you know uh, maybe it hasn't maybe he just you know he just wasn't feeling wet that well because you know he has he has suffered a lot in these last five years but I just thought and I said to him straight away the first thing I said to him as soon as I said that you know what Gianluca I have more respect for you doing this than than if you would have accepted to do the interview because for him to tell me directly he couldn't do the interview I just thought that is the most respectful thing that I think anybody's ever done in the media industry and he was saying no to me and I just thought wow just amazing and that and so many people have got little I mean that's only a little story but so many people have got stories like that about Gianluca about you know how he how he helped people and just what a kind-hearted person he was and that's why I mean, I shed a tear for him when he died because I just, you know, he just—he was just such a lovely person. He really was. He really, really was. He really, really was. And you know, he did. I mean, he did a lot for charity. I mean, raising money for for research into ALS, the Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a really horrible disease. It's just, you know, affected a lot of sports sports people. I mean, it's a degenerative disease that affects the motor neurons. We've seen a lot of a lot of sportsmen that. Have, have suffered from this after their career. And there's, there's definitely something that's going on during their career, I think, that's causing this. Uh, and Stefano Borgonovo, yeah. the former Fiorentina player, is the, probably the most famous example, played alongside Baggio. Um, you know, Viali raised an incredible amount of money um, uh, into this and then later went with the cancer as well. Um, and, you know, just his, his hu- whole human story was, 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 was really fascinating because, I mean, he came from a really rich family. I don't know how many people know this, but he grew up in a 30-room mansion in a multi-millionaire family. Um, yet, 
he was so determined to, you know, he didn't need to work a day in his life, you know, yet he was so determined, had so much determination to make it as a footballer and, but to do it on an equal level with everyone else, you know, mm. he didn't have anyone opening doors for him. He, you know, he made his own way and he treated everyone with respect. And what you can often get with people that come from upper class backgrounds or middle class backgrounds, um, with lower middle class backgrounds is that there is that, that kind of, they, they don't really, they haven't lived in the real world and, there can be, even if it's not deliberate, there can be that kind of, you know, the working class people or the ordinary people are just almost beneath them. Viali treated everyone with respect. Uh, he was always smiling. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some great stories. I mean, Graham Souness told some fantastic stories about them. Practical jokes. He was a bit of a practical joker, um, Viali. Some of the jokes that he played uh, on on Sunas, uh, Sunas pushed him into a lake before a game, and Viali to get to get his um, uh, to to get revenge on on Sunas. He did various things during the spell. He, he sprayed shaving foam into Sunas's shoes. He cut the legs off the Sunas's uh, uh, Armani suits, which which cost a lot of money. Um, there's, there's a great story about how Viali put Parmesan cheese into the handkerchief of Arigo Saki when he was Italy coach. And then Saki then put the handkerchief into his top pocket and ruined his suit. <laughs> like to ruin his suit, uh, Viali. Uh, and that actually apparently played a role in Viali being dropped by, by Italy because those two didn't actually get on and then he didn't go to Italia 90 and didn't play again after that. Um, so he was, a, you know, he was just, he just a great person to be around, just a perfect person to have as your friend and be around, isn't it? You know, that brings joy, mm. laughter, but also kindness you know, he was such a very empathetic person. And mm. I mean, that's the perfect person, isn't it? That's mm. what you want from a person, yeah. isn't it? You've got yeah. everything. You've got all sides of it. You've got all sides of the, uh, that, that you want from a person. And obviously, the human role that he played in Italy winning the Euros, you can see why he played such an important role, didn't he, in, in Italy winning the Euros, because he brought all of that to the table. Uh, as For well me, as- that image of him and Mancini crying in each other's arms, given how close they were childhood friends who grew up together and, 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 and for them to, you know, Mancini was as synonymous to Viali's career as Viali was to his. And to see them kind of come full circle and win the Euros together uh, and, and, and the fact that, you know, Viali coming up, turning up late to Italy's first group stage game, which they won convincingly. And then after that, Italians being superstitious, that's something they had to do. Everyone had to go on the bus and wait for Viali to come running on yeah. <laughs> before they left. And you now he I was... Love, and, and this, I love also the scene of him with the water bottle when he yeah. turned his back, the superstition, yeah. his back yeah. on, the, on the penalty. Yeah, and, and, then, the, and the speeches, the, 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 the books that, you know, the, the quotes that he read ahead to the team, ahead of the, ahead of the story, game. That one great story, yeah. wasn't it? That you, read, that you read out. I mean, wow. I mean, no, he was he was he was truly a, a great a great person, and 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 I can't help but to, to think, of course, of his family, immediate family and friends, but also above all, I, I I do want to send a thought to Roberto Mancini, who in the space of a few weeks has lost two of his closest friends in football, in Sini Samialovic and and Gianluca yeah. His two closest football yeah. friends. They yeah. were his two friends, yeah. his two best friends yeah. in football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very very it's so sad. It's so sad. It really is so sad because. Mm. He was, he really, I know people always say this about when someone dies, you know, Viali really was the, just the nicest person in mm. the world. And it's just, he's just 58. It's no, it's no age to go for no. anyone, but for no. someone like that, I mean, yeah, it's so, it's so sad. Um, I want to talk about though, Viali, the footballer, um, 
you were on you were on the BBC the other day and you, you spoke about this. So we, well, I guess we'll start with you on this. I mean, he is one of Italy's greatest forwards of all time, isn't he? I mean, he was complete. Um, he was he had really did have everything. I mean, he was he ushered in. I mean, Italy in in Italian football, he was the first of that kind of a footballer, uh, the striker. And he didn't, you know, the fact that he was big, he was a strong, big guy. But he was also incredibly gifted technically and had fantastic creativity and vision. Um, he was great in the air. And, and again, the tactical versatility, he could play in any role. He even played in midfield at times. Played as a winger, played as a striker, played as a number 10, played as a second striker. I mean, he, he did everything. Um, and, and a team worker as well. Um, and no, it's, it's for me, uh, him, and, him and Mancini, Gemelli del Gol, you know, the Gemelli de Gol, the, the, the goal twins at Sampdoria. That was... Yeah. But he didn't have any weaknesses at all. No. You know, I was thinking, I was looking back and I was watching some of his old footage and games and best goals and everything. He li- he really was com- the, the complete yeah. attacker. He, there was no weaknesses in his game. And I, I didn't really, I guess I never really thought about it. I didn't really realise it until I try... I mean, I always do this with every football. I try and pick yeah. out a weakness about yeah. the player. I couldn't find one with him. No. I really could not find one with him. Like you said, I mean, he was both footed. He had a great shot on, on both feet. He was brilliant in the air. He was, like you said so well, tactically versatile. He could play in any role or formation in attack. You know, he could play as a first or second striker. He could play in a three-man attack, a lone striker. He started his career as a winger. He played as a winger at the 1986 World Cup in yeah. Italy. He worked incredibly hard. He chased back. He pressed from the front, which was not that common at the time. No. You know, there was a lot of lazy forwards during that time. Um, you know, he was so smart tactically, linked up with his teammates, including obviously, like you said, Mancini, no better than Mancini. And for me, and this is this is my big thing, for me, he's probably the best volleyer of a ball I've ever seen. I've never seen a better volleyer in history than Viali off both feet. I mean, some of the incredible volleyed goals that he scored in his career. I mean, check out... I mean, the most famous one's probably the one against Palmer mm. in the was it the UEFA Cup final or the Cup Winners Cup final? UEFA Cup final, I think it was. Um, but also the one that he scored against Napoli, um, which is quite ironic, seeing as they played they played yesterday. Mm. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. Uh, the 1991 Scudetto winning season, an incredible one. Um, and he was... The, it was kind of his trademark to, to his volleys into the roof, the near post roof of the net. That was his trademark, like which is a really kind of low XG goal, actually. You know, most people go across the goal into the far yeah. corner. Viali used to smash him right foot or left foot into the, the near post top, top of the roof of the net. He used to score so many of those kind of goals in his career. It was brilliant. But also, as well as volley, he's also one of the greatest of all time at bicycle kicks. He scored so many incredible bicycle kicks. And again, kind of ironic seeing as Juventus played Cremonese uh, in the middle of last week, a couple of days before Viali died. Now, whenever Juventus play, uh, or when Juventus play against Cremonese, the first thing that I that I think of is is um, is when Juventus and Viali won the Scudetto in 95, because Viali scored not one, but he scored two brilliant bicycle kicks against Cremonese uh, in that season. So again, you know, sad Sad irony that, you know, Viali, you know, in the week that he died, that mm. he went to play against Cremonese. Um, but he was, yeah, just just, just the most incredible, incredible, complete attacker. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that that win in the, the Scudetto with 
with uh, Sampdoria in 91. He was top scorer in Serie A that season. And like you said, that partnership with Mancini, yeah, it's one of the was... partnerships ever, isn't it? Yeah, that, that was that, that is the one that I... I think that is probably... They were fantastic footballers, but what that 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 is what I think is their greatest achievement. Um, that team and to do it the way they did, and now it was fantastic. They played some wonderful. It was a wonderful football. team as well, wasn't it? I mean, those two Stunning up front, football. and then those two up front, and then you had uh, Vieckowood uh, at the back, Palhinha, Cerezo, uh, the veteran Brazilian from the legendary nineteen eighty two Brazil team. Mm. He was still playing at like thirty six, thirty seven, I think. Um, and Boskov, 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 the goal, yeah. the coach. Um, yeah, Boskov, remember Katanec? He was a brilliant player as well. I mean, yeah. they had they had a fantastic team, and then they were so close to winning that European Cup yeah. the year after. I mean, they made it to three fight European Cup finals. I mean, they they lost a cup when it's cup. They won one, and then they, of course, the famous yeah, and one scored the two. Vialli scored the two goals in the the cup winners cup final that they yeah. won in 1990 in uh, Gothenburg. In Gothenburg, yeah. yeah, yeah, against Anderlecht, uh, and that that was that year was the year that that Serie A won all three of the European Cups yeah. that year. They were totally dominant. They won the Eurovision Song Contest that <laughs> year as well. Petunia <laughs> won it with Song uh, <laughs> now. Yeah, uh, in, in Siena, I think, uh, and uh, and then Italy. Like I, like I've uh, I've said many times before, you know, Italy. I, I think they should have won the World Cup as well. Mm. It was in it was in Italy, um, you know. But that game against oh, Barcelona, you know, we we speak before about games that we have regrets and we think, how did they not win that game? And obviously Euro 2000 final, we always say, I always talk mm. about Italian 90, that I feel mm. they should have won that tournament. But Sampdoria in that final, they were the best Wembley, team. They Barcelona. Had, yeah, they Cruyff. had the better chances and it still, it still pisses me off that yeah. they, that was never a free kick. It wasn't a free kick. It wasn't a, <laughs> even close to being a free kick and they gave him and then Ronald Koeman scored from that free kick and I remember Vialli in tears after the game with yeah. Mancini, both of them. And, like they both said it, haven't they? It felt like destiny that 29 years later that they would, you know, almost 30 years later, they would win at Wembley together, yeah. the Euros together. It just felt, and it was almost felt like a final goodbye, didn't it? Because, yeah, it did. You know, obviously, it was always going to be difficult for Vialli. Pancreatic cancer is always, it's a horrible one. It's the mm. most horrible, well, one of the most horrible cancers to to, to come back from. Uh, and, you know, it almost felt like a final goodbye. But, yeah. You know, fantastic for Sampdoria. And then Juventus as well. I mean, crucial for Juventus winning the Scudetto in 1995. Juventus hadn't won the Scudetto for nine years, which is for Juventus. Let me tell you, for Juventus, that is a lifetime. Mm. Um, and then the Champions League in 96, the fir- their first in 11 years and the last one, well, the last one probably ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> the last one probably ever. <laughs> um and he was the Juventus captain. He lifted that. He lifted that trophy, and you can see how much it meant to him as well when he lifted mm. when he lifted that that title. For sure, uh, yeah. And and then obviously his Italy career, two World Cups and a Euro. Um, he and Mancini did play together at Euro '88. That's the only tournament they actually mm. like win the lineup together. They did both go to Italian '90, and he scored a famous winner against Spain in the in that Euro '88. It was a great young up and coming. Italy team in 88. Mm. Uh, Italian night, he had some injury problems. He still got two assists. Mm. Um, and then his career kind of came to a premature end due to the relationship with, with Saki, which was which was a shame, which was a shame mm. because he, he had a lot more to give um, to, to to Italy. Um, yeah, so yeah, incredible playing career. But even as a, you know, even his after career as a coach, you know, he still had a lot of success as a player manager at Chelsea, won five different cups 
But Chelsea. Yeah, the cup winners cup at Rosunda in Stockholm, which is Jan Jan Gianfranco Zola scored the winner. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. 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 The last yeah. cup. No, no, it wasn't Lazio won the last. Sorry, Lazio won the last cup winners cup. The second from last one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always remember him playing in, in the snow. Do you remember that in Tromso? Yeah. Do you remember they that run? And it was full of snow. The pitch completely covered in snow. And Vialli scored a... I think he scored a great goal in it, if I remember. Um, yeah, he was yeah, magical. And then he moved on into punditry. I thought he was one of the best pundits around. Always very level-headed. Spoke with so much insight and sense. And, uh, you know, wonderful. And then, obviously, yeah, to October 2019, he was appointed as the, the new delegation chief of the Italy national team. Um, under, obviously, Mancini. And... You know what a role he played, and the like you said, the image of him and Mancini hugging and crying after winning the Euros. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful football images ever, isn't it? Yeah. You're not you're not going to really get many is. more beautiful images. I mean, that's a, that's an iconic image. It really Italian is an football. iconic image. It really is. Yeah, and even though he's died, I mean, you know, we're all going to die. Obviously, it's incredibly sad that he's died. So you know, at the age of fifty eight, it's no age, but you know, his legend is going to live forever. I mean, mm-hmm. he is eternal um for italian football and, mm. and you know it's just yeah it's so sad i mean me personally to tell you a personal story the first game i ever watched live in my life was um arsenal versus sampdoria it was in 1991 i was very very young i think like five years old uh and uh six years old and 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 um he, uh, um, the, the it was the Makita Cup. It was a preseason tournament. It's like basically the 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 what is the Emirates Cup now? They used to be called the Makita Cup, and they used to they used to invite I think like four teams. They would play a semi final and a final, and it was Sampdoria, Arsenal, Panathinaikos, and and somebody else. Anyway, Arsenal played against Sampdoria in the in the in the final. Arsenal went one 0 up through Merson. Merson, Paul Merson scored. And then in the second half, Vialli scored scored the equaliser with uh, just just go on YouTube. I actually tweeted it out the other day. There's a f- cross came in from the right, and he did this kind of like scissor kick, bicycle kick, half bicycle kick volley, and it was just wow, just one of the most the most brilliant goal you've probably never seen because it was from a from a friendly game. Uh, and you know that was the first game, the first game, so the, fir- the first game I ever went to see was Vialli scoring that goal, and that and I fell in love with him like ever since then, you know. And he was like one of my hero, childhood heroes. So I feel, you know, for me, I feel, you know, I don't want to make it that me, but I feel very even more sad, you know, because you know when your childhood hero starts to go, it, it does, yeah, it does, it, it makes you extra sad. Certainly does. Certainly does. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, right. So let's finish off with Badjo Prem Face of the Week. Okay, uh, Badjo, Badjo of the Week. Um, well, aside obviously from 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 Viali and all the beautiful tributes to Viali uh, and Mihailovic as well, I thought they were really really beautiful. Mm. There's, there's one thing that Italy they can does. they know how to praise their heroes. They know yeah. how to remember yeah. their heroes and they know how to yeah. praise their heroes in Italy. They no, do. Nice no, Italy, them. nobody does respect for. For, for for their heroes and, and for people that deserve respect mm. like the Italians that's one thing you can you can say a lot about Italy and things that are wrong but they, they, yeah. they, no, but they, that they, they know how to do I mean just I mean just the yeah. totti the totti goodbye the you know that was you know Zanetti's goodbye I mean look they know how to do they know how to pay tribute to their heroes in that country that's yeah. what I'm sure 
No, they do. There's one other bad Joe. You're not going to like it. <laughs> but, but Adriano Galliani's celebration at the end. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was, I mean, Galliani, he's just hilarious. I mean, I mean, I mean my favourite part with that is his. Redi- I mean, he's such a. His, 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 when he smiles, have you seen? Do you, do you remember the movie Goodfellas, when Henry is 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 a kid and he's taken to court for the first time, and his lawyer is that? <laughs> yes, I know which one you mean. Yeah, yeah. the lawyer with a golden a smile. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's Galliani. He's he's just got this. He's such a mobster, such a mafioso. Yeah. Like, and he's standing yeah. there, and and he's smiling, and 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 oh, yeah. and, and, and and the thing is, I love it's the. The comment as well is like, because well, he was criticized, like, well, are you Monza CEO or are you, you know, what's going on? This thing about Inter. And he goes, my, this is a direct quote, right? He says, my joy was that of a child who 70 years ago used to go to Monza with his mother to watch Monza play. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's just... This guy, him and Berlusconi, they're not, are they real people? Like, are, are they, they human? Are they, <laughs> seriously, like, are they actually, are they, they're like characters from a. Well, there's a reason why he's called Uncle, his nickname's Uncle Fester, no, isn't it? It's like I these mean, guys <laughs> are like, it's like they're characters from a Mario Puzo novel. Like, they're not real yeah. people. It's just, ah, uh, it, it's, it's just. Uh, well, I think Berlusconi literally isn't a real person. No, he's <laughs> 70% plastic, I think. <laughs> he probably is, or made up of younger, younger humans. Yeah, drinking about human. Yeah. Blood. yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Galliani. I mean, you can run with the 2007 Champions League final celebration, which is up there with yeah. that as well. When when Inzaghi scored the second goal, and he went ballistic in the in the box. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the movements, the, the expressions he makes on his face, just, yeah. just oh, hilarious. Prem face. Uh, I don't know what this is. I just see the words Tony Adams, and I already I'm know. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. This is insane. Like this is one of the greatest prem faces I have ever heard. He's on he's on Seaman Says podcast, and I'm going to quote. I'm going to read the quote. Yeah, Seaman Says podcast. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. I know. This is the quote. <laughs> I think player of the season is Bukayo Saka. The kid is just phenomenal. I had a bit of a go at Gareth Southgate during the World Cup for taking him off. He's every bit as good as Lionel Messi. (laughs) Messi is obviously at the end of his career, even when you question him and he missed his penalty at the Euros and he's come back. Every time I see him, he he makes goals and scores goals. He's a phenomenal footballer, the best player for England and the best player for Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> like, and the oh, thing is, I, I like Bukayo Saka. That's the thing. I really like Saka. I think he is, he is probably right now, I think he's in, he is England's best player. I, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely happy in saying that. I think him and Foden play at a different he level. He was him and Bellingham at the World Cup were yeah. the best, were the best yeah. players. And yeah. I think, no, but the three of them, Foden, Bellingham, Saka, but Saka does it at club level and so does Foden as well. But I think the three of them are just, you know, they're world-class players, potentially, especially with Bellingham, potential world-class players. But Messi, like, no, stop no. with these ridiculous comparisons. It's like, yeah. stop it. No, yeah. he is not like that's, that's, up there. that's up there with 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 Sterling Pelé. Yeah, no. yeah, that is mental. And, and, and Mount Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> Mount Neymar. God. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, that is. He said it three days ago, uh, three four days ago on on Seaman Says podcast. Yeah, I don't know well, what podcast that is because I haven't listened to it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Um, 
That's it. That's no, all we have time yeah, for we, today. We, 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 let's see. There's a Coppa Italia midweek round, the last 16. Um, yeah. Inter Parma, uh, Atalanta Spezia, and the winner of those two games play each other. And the winner of that both that clash plays the winner of Lazio v Bologna and Juventus Monza. And then the other half, you've got Napoli Cremonese and Roma Genoa, those face off. And the winner of that plays Fiorentina Sampdoria or uh, or Milan Torino, the winner of that. So mm. based on this, I'm thinking Juve are winning the Coppa Italia because I think Inter will beat Parma. Um, I think they might might go out against Atalanta. I think Lazio Juve in the quarterfinal. Well, I, I think you, I think you were going. I think you were winning. So the Coppa depends. Italia. Depends. Depends. Listen, there's so many games. It really depends on what kind of strength lineups. Juve Napoli, so Juve Napoli, or Juve Milan Coppa Italia final, and Juve. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. See who goes through them with Europe. Teams go out in Europe, they might play stronger teams. I think that could play into it. No, I think of course, it's, of course. It's hard. It's very because, hard. But I don't, think, I don't think Juve will give a damn about the Europa League. So, yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, they might want to win something in Europe. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, well, before, right. Yeah, before we let you go, I mean, to all our first-time listeners, this is the weekly free episode that we do every Monday. Um, and if you want to support and subscribe and get everything, including the Q&A episode that we do every Tuesday, um, which is the Q&A episode that our patrons send into us, plus the Thursday midweek review show and interviews, post-match reaction, etc., go to patreon.com slash TIFP and subscribe for two ninety nine a month, excluding VAT. Yeah, please do. Um, okay, be back on Tuesday for that Q&A episode, then back later in the week for, for another episode. We are trying to get a, a transfer expert on to do a little January transfer window uh, episode, um, but we will definitely have something for you um, for sure. Um, so, yeah, until then, ciao, ciao.